Well, good morning. I hope you all are doing well. I have uh, anticipated being with you all week, as I do each and every week. I love the opportunity to come here and to at least uh, talk to you at least a little bit through the camera, though I'd love to see you in person even more so. Um, but the reality is, uh, this is the way things are for right now, and I hope that you're having a great week. I hope you've uh, experienced some good things. Um, but let me just say I love you all, care for you all, miss you all, and uh, I'm excited to at least be able to share some things with you today via Facebook and uh, so forth. And uh, let me just encourage you at the end of this message uh, to do two things. Number one, I want you to stay tuned because we're going to share it together in communion this morning, and Pastor Mike Cosgrove is going to lead us in that. So when I'm done with my message, I'm going to turn things over to Pastor Mike, and uh, he'll be sharing about the Lord's Supper with us. And then number two, uh, I'd like to share, uh, encourage you to share and uh, put the message out there. I think it's something that we all need to hear right now, so let me encourage you to do that. And uh, But before we do that, let's, let's just take a moment and pray and ask God to meet with us this morning and uh, ask His blessing on the service uh, as we continue in the Word of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for your goodness to us, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings, Lord. Uh, I'm so thankful, Lord, that uh, you've protected me, my family, and many of my close friends from uh, getting this coronavirus. And uh, Lord, you've kept us safe during a time of unrest. And uh, Lord, you've been so gracious to us, Lord. You've provided for us. You've protected us. Uh, Lord, your presence has been with us. And Lord, we're so thankful for that. And God, I just as we come before you this morning, Lord, I pray that you be with each and every one of our family members. I ask God that you be with our entire church family, Lord, that you just encourage them, lift them up, Lord. I ask God that you would just uh, be very near to them, Lord, during these uh, uncertain times, Lord. But Lord, I do pray that wherever the word of God is going forth this morning, Lord, uh, Lord, I know that already in this 24-hour period, the word of God has already gone forth uh, on the other side of the globe. And Lord, uh, I pray that it would accomplish your purposes, Lord. But Lord, I pray that as your word says, Lord, it will not return void, Lord, that it would accomplish everything that you intend for it to purpose, Lord, in our hearts, to draw us closer to you, to make us more like you, uh, Lord, to correct us where we're wrong, Lord, to encourage us where we need it, Lord, all these things that the word of God does. And I pray, God, that it would accomplish your purposes this morning. So, Lord, meet with us, and uh, Lord, we need your wisdom, we need your discernment, we need your direction, and we ask God your blessing on the Word of God, Lord, as we talk about it this morning, as we preach through it. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified through all that is said and done, and uh, Lord, that you would be high and lifted up today through what is, what is said. And uh, Lord, may this message start with me, Lord. May I learn from what you have from your Word today. Uh, Lord, speak to my heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about walking in wisdom. Uh, and this message is very weighty on my heart for many reasons. The very last thing I wanted to do today is to come again on, on live Facebook and, uh, and talk anything about the coronavirus uh, pandemic, the injustices and protesting that is taking place, or any other cultural event or circumstances that is taking place or is about to take place. Truly, uh, it's the last thing I wanted to dismiss these subjects, not just yet. Uh, so I want to talk about walking in wisdom. 
So if you'll bear with me just for a bit I'm coming from as we look at these messages today. You know, right now we are living in unprecedented our time, or at least not in my time, have we ever experienced anything like an international pandemic. And by the way, I'm, I'm tired of face masks, and I bet you are too. All of us are tired of putting them. I, I've worn glasses since third grade, and every time I put a mask on, I try to tuck it in there tight so it doesn't steam my glasses or, or put it on the outside. It doesn't matter what I do. I can't get around it. It's driving me nuts. Uh, and yet, you want to be like one of those rebel guys that you see that don't want to follow the rules, and you walk into Lowe's, and they're not wearing one, even though the sign says you have to wear one to come in here. I want to be like that guy, but yet, I'm a rule follower, so I put it on, for the most part, and uh, I wear it, but I'm tired of these things. Um, I feel like my hands are sterile 97% of the time. Uh, it's putting a squirt of sanitizer on them, squirting something on something, so no coronaviruses can jump off whatever surface or circumstance I'm, I'm involved with and come onto my skin and breathe it in and attack my lungs. You know, I don't, I don't want to live in fear, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm sterilized half the time. Uh, and the United States and around the world have either closed their doors or they're facing having to close their doors because of this worldwide pandemic. I'm tired of it. Politics. And I think that's wrong, to be honest with you. But it's there. It's real to deal with it on a daily basis. But it's not the thing I wanted to talk about today. Uh, right now, we're experiencing a time of unrest. And uh, there is protesting going on in every direction of the United States. Looting, uh, vandalism of property in every shape and form. The destruction of thousands of buildings and properties. Some of them historical landmarks. Some of them cemeteries. And it's unreal what is taking place in our land. Lives have been put in extreme danger, and many have died in recent days due to the unrest we're experiencing as a nation. I didn't really want to come in and have to deal with that. I really don't want to have to think about that, not here in America, but it's reality. And it's causing division, and we have to deal with it from a biblical standpoint. And right now, we're living in a time of uncertainty. We all have questions like, when is it going to end? I wish I could say, boom, hit the button, it's over. But that's not reality. The reality is times are really uncertain because we don't know when it's going to end. We have questions like, how am I financially going to make it through this? you got thousands of business owners who have shut down their businesses all across the country. They've had to close their doors. That was their source of income. They don't know what they're going to do. And a $1,200 stimulus check is not going to fix that. And if you can get 10 more, it still is not going to fix that. They're having to figure out, what am I going to do for an income from this day forward? You have a lot of people around the United States in every state under the sun who have had to basically have their hours cut, their salary cut, go to part-time, maybe a few hours a week, and they just are wondering, how am I going to financially make it through this? Stock markets are up one day, down the next, and those in retirement stages, you know, their dividend checks are, you know, one day it's looking good and the next day it's looking terrible and they don't know what's going on. It's uncertain. And at best, it, it makes you wonder what is going on and when is it ever going to end? We have questions like, what's it going to be like for our kids, for our grandkids? What are they going to have to face that we're just beginning to see the glimpse of right now? Right now, we're seeing some things that we would never have imagined. And yet it's very, very real. These and other questions cause us to have one or more responses to everything we're experiencing. You know, there are a lot of people, and I think you can see it on the screen here, 
they experience fear, anxiousness, unrest, trust in self or human knowledge, or they trust God. But, you know, fear is some people are afraid. They're so afraid that if they step outside, uh, they're gonna, they're, they just know without a shadow of doubt they're going to get the coronavirus. They have been stuck in their house for three or four months now, and they're not going anywhere because they just know beyond any shadow of a doubt, if they go out, they're going to be the one that's going to get the coronavirus. And there's not a doubt in their mind. They wear a mask sitting in the backyard, even though no one's around them, even though they're hundreds of yards from the next physical person. Uh, they're the ones that drive in their car with their mask, the windows up and everything else, because they, they just know that somehow, some way, they're susceptible. They're the weak ones. They're the vulnerable ones. And they're going to get it. And there's a fear that is overtaking them to the point that they don't think about anything else, maybe they don't sleep at night, they lay there wondering what's going to happen, but they're convinced that they're going to get the coronavirus, and they're living in fear. And they won't have any contact. Their family members aren't allowed in their house, and they, they look at everybody through the window pane, and, and it's very real to them. There's an anxiousness and unrest. Some people respond with just more worry because worry breeds more worry and fear brings, breeds more fear. And other people are aware of everything taking place. They're still pretty confident. They believe they're in the know and they know what is best for themselves and everyone around them. And they're not afraid to tell you what they know because what they know is right. They've did their research. They've studied or they have experiences, and they, they, they know what so-and-so said, and they believe what so-and-so said, and, and they're confident that what they know and what they believe is the answer is the right response. And so there's no doubt in their mind, there's no question in their mind that they know what is taking place. And, and, and I don't want to listen to you, and I don't want to listen to you because I'm listening to them, and I, I know what's best for me. I know what's best for my family. So there's a, a response of trusting in self and trusting in what I know and what my human knowledge tells me. And then there's another response, I think, for those who are wise. And we're talking about walking in wisdom today. They trust God. The very best response any of us can have during these days is to fully and wholeheartedly trust God. I don't have to walk about in fear. In fact, God's Word tells us not to live in fear. I don't have to live in anxiousness and unrest. I, and I certainly don't have to have the response of daily trusting in my own knowledge because my own knowledge is fallible. It's going to fail me at some point. And so my only resort is to come back to trusting God completely and wholeheartedly in all these circumstances of life. And whether you respond in fear or anxiousness and unrest or whether you trust in yourself and your own ability, or whether you come to the place where you can fully trust in God, people see it. People see how you are responding. And they are seeing whether or not you are responding with wisdom and trusting in God and letting His Holy Spirit guide you, or whether you are trusting in your own self-reliance. People see it. So how do many people display these responses? And really, many of us, we pick up our cell phones and, or we head to our computers because we're going we're gonna to call somebody and let them know what we're thinking. We're going to get on the horn. We're going to call somebody. And just we got to let them know that what I know is what they need to know, and I need to tell it. And we justify it in a million different ways. We rationalize it. We excuse it because, after all, I'm upset about it, or I want people to know about it, and i got to let them know that I'm right about it. So therefore, I'm going to pick up my phone, I'm going to send out an email, I'm going to make sure that everybody knows what I believe they should know. 
Sometimes we take it to social media. We log into our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, our Snapchat, or one other area of social media, uh, one way or another. We're going to get it, quote-unquote, out there. My thoughts, my opinions, my feelings, what I believe is right, what I believe is true, and yes, all about me. And it really comes down to a, a huge aspect of selfishness because I want everybody to know that I am right, I am justified, and I can prove it to you that what I know is better than what you know. And so therefore, I want everybody to know it. And so I'm going to take the Facebook, I'm going to take the Instagram, I'm going to take the whatever it is so that everybody can know what I know and then they too can be right. And some of us can't wait to see our friends and favorite people so that we can begin to convey our thoughts, our opinions, our preferences. So we can't wait for those in-person conversations. And this is where the problem typically starts. And this is where I'm going to start meddling just a little bit in today's message. Folks, we have got to get back to the Bible. I said it a couple weeks ago. Amen. Over and over again, we cannot expect an unsaved world, a world that does not know Jesus, to act as if they do know Jesus because that's what they need, Jesus. Amen. They need Jesus in their life. They need Jesus in their conversations. They need Jesus in their feelings. They need Jesus in their emotions. They need Jesus in their responses. We all need to act like Jesus. And if we claim to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, let's start acting like it. Amen. And the reality is when we start living and making sure that everybody knows how we feel and what we think and what we believe, it causes discord and it tears down. It doesn't build up. And we got to get away from that. So if we're going to walk in wisdom, how do we display our responses to the experiences and circumstances of life? It matters how we do that. It matters to God. It matters to God's people. And oftentimes, our responses matter to people or our responses matter to God. Now let me meddle just for a minute. Too often in the day and age that we live, most of our responses are visible for the whole world to see on social media. It's amazing how often I'll go on social media and Facebook and I like to just read certain posts that people put. Some of them are really encouraging and some of them are uplifting and some of them are edifying and somebody you know, will put a devotional thought on there and those are the wonderful things of life. It allows us to connect with people that maybe you don't get to see because miles and miles and miles that separate us. But when you go on Facebook and you see that so-and-so is fighting with so-and-so, why do you air that for the world to see? Those are private things. And yet you put them out there for the whole world to see and really oftentimes to show your own immaturity. And you're showing the world that you're not trusting in God, that you're all worried about self. Folks, we need to stop doing that. Our responses matter to people and more importantly, our responses matter to God. So I'm going to confess right now, there are so many thoughts going through my mind right now. It's like an old-fashioned pinball machine. I can remember when I was in high school and I would go over there and i put a quarter in the pinball machine and you pull that thing down and the metal ball would shoot forward and all of a sudden it starts ricocheting on everything. Now I know most of you younger guys, you don't understand what a pinball machine is. But when I was in grade school, when I was in junior high, we used to go up to Piccadilly's in Northtown Plaza to the game arcade and we'd play pinball. And you try to beat your score and get that ball to roll all over the place. 
And that oftentimes what goes through my mind is like an old-fashioned pinball. I want to scream and say, this is ridiculous. This is not right. I want to scream and say, you guys are acting in a way that is just crazy. But what does that accomplish? It makes me feel good once in a while just to unload and just say, well, I think this and I, you think that and you're wrong and I'm right. And let me prove why you're wrong and I'm right. But what in the long run does it really accomplish? Because everybody has an opinion. So the marbles in my brain are just bouncing around and they ricochet and they want to just scream some things. But there's a wrong way to respond to the circumstances of life. And there's a right way to respond to the circumstances of life. And our responses matter to God. We are to be testimonies in a world that we live in. Yesterday I read a post from another pastor. His name is Daniel Henderson. Uh, He was my friend's pastor for a period of time, and I followed him for many, many years. And he often makes some great things, uh, uh, posts some great things on on Facebook. And sometimes there's sermonettes. Sometimes there are articles that he's written. Uh, As I read his post, I found myself in total agreement with what he was writing. So I want to share just a bit with you this today as, as, we get, as we get started. But keep in mind how we respond to things matters to God. Um, here's what he wrote. And I'm going to read this just for a moment. This is what he put on his Facebook yesterday. He says, I have not wanted to say much about all the chaos and division in our nation right now. As James 1.19 commands us, let every person be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. The challenge with social media is that we are often tempted to violate this principle before a watching world. Before a watching world. What we put out there, what we say, oftentimes whether we intend for it to come across this way or not, is offensive. What you believe and what you believe, we say, well, we're both children of God. Can't we just get along? Well, that'd be great if we're always walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, walking and applying the principles of God's Word. But the problem is we have sinfulness and selfishness in our bones, in our flesh, and it takes over at times. But we need to be careful because what we say and how we respond is before a watching world. And I feel like Dan Henderson here. There are so many things I want to scream at times and say, wake up. Do you realize what you are saying? Do you understand how this is coming across? But oftentimes offenses come in two areas. Oftentimes it's a time of miscommunication and we're confronted with that and we say, that's not really what I meant. Or misinformation. Oh, I said the wrong thing. Let me rec- let me make that right. But miscommunication and misinformation can cause a world of hurt. Whether you meant to do it or not, sometimes it happens. And in the midst of it all, we have to be able to step step back and say, I didn't mean to do this. But that's where 1 Corinthians 13 comes in. Love thinks no evil. Well, you said such and such, and, and I can't believe you said that. But if we really practice 1 Corinthians 13, our first response is, I can't believe you said that, it'd be... I know what they said, I know what I heard, but I'm sure that they did not mean it that way. But in our flesh, we take offense at it. And they may have meant to say it, or they may not have. But how we respond once again is before a watching world. 
And we got to guard that as Christians. Dan Henderson goes on to say this. I've had to filter my reactions countless times. I've had to earnestly restrain, restrain my temptation to write a particular from a particular angle, to share some opinionated post, or to impulsively respond to someone else's that troubled me, or angered me, or frustrated me, or upset me in some way. I want to respond. I want to make it right. And I want to let them know what I'm thinking. I want to know how they hurt me. And folks, we've got to guard what we do, what we say, how we respond before a watching world. And let me just say too, part of the watching world is our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need not to write things that are going to be offensive and hurtful to them. He goes on, but here it is what is heavy on my soul right now as I examine myself. And this is what struck me as what Daniel Henderson wrote. He said, I'm writing this to myself. And those of you that know me, you know I have opinions about things. There's certain things I don't really write about on Facebook and social media. You don't seldom hear me talk about politics. You don't hear me talking about firearms. There are just things that it seems like if you get 10 people in a room, you're going to have 10 opinions about. It doesn't edify. It doesn't build up. So I don't go there. Does it mean that I'm not taking a stand? No, I'll take a stand. But I agree with Pastor MacArthur when he said, the world is not saying we can't preach. The world is not saying we can't you know, proclaim the word of God. saying, would you for a period of time not assemble for the good of all? Do I like that? No. Would I like to get on social media and blast that? Yes. I'll take a stand when they say I can't preach. When I can't spread the gospel. Then you're going to see another side of me. But the reality is, I'll work within the confines of what is taking place in our culture and in our world. I'll take a stand when necessary. But I'm not going to knowingly, purposefully do things and say things that will be hurtful that are not based in the Word of God. Folks, we got to guard our testimony before a watching world. We need to walk in wisdom. So he says, here's what's heavy on my soul. And I agree with my brother Daniel when he says, I'm examining myself in these areas because those of you that know me know that I would have an opinion on a lot of these things and I need to guard that. I need to make sure that what I say is right and edifying and it builds up. So he says, as I read countless social media perspectives and as I look at our national situation, it seems that so many of us are falling into the sin of stereotypical judgment. I call this sin because this approach amounts to harshly condemning or at least demeaning others who are different than us. Because, once again, my opinion is right, yours isn't. And because I have the right view and you don't, I'm going to correct you and in doing so I'm going to demean you and make you less than who you really are or at least make you feel bad if you don't agree with me on these certain subjects. Because I'm right once again and you're not. So it's demeaning anybody that's different than us. And oftentimes it's based on superficial, limited opinions that rashly pronounce judgment, assuming that we know someone's heart. Let's be careful, because even God reminded us in 1 Samuel that man looks on the outward appearance, but God knows our heart. So let us not say something that is going to assume a certain response based on what we think we know, because you may be wrong. 
and how you respond is before a watching world. So he goes, I'm especially concerned as I see this among those representing those who claim to be Christ followers. Folks, let me just say this, and I want to say it with all the strength that I can, but with all the love that I can. I cannot wait to meet in a few weeks. I'm praying that we can come together the first Sunday of July, and I want it to be an incredible celebration. Amen? Amen. I want us to come together, and I, I would love for us to come together and hug and and, 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 and and just embrace each other and just have the joy of God in our hearts and our lives just so radiant on our faces that it would just explode and radiate. I don't want to come together with people who are odd at each other because of what has been said on social media. You have an opinion? Keep it to yourself. Let's make sure that we are representing Christ. Let's make sure that we are representing God and His Word. And there are things that you believe that this person doesn't. I like what my friend said in Indiana. He says, when I came back to church, you, know, you have an opinion about wearing masks. You have an opinion about wearing masks. You think it's stupid. You think it's, it's immeasurably necessary. And the reality is, when you come into this church, there are going to be some who are wearing them and some that are not. If you're wearing them, you better not cast judgment on those who are. And if you're not, you better not cast judgment on those who, who uh, don't want them. Amen. We are coming together. Keep your opinions to yourself. Let's stand on the truth and the principles of God's word. And that transcends almost every subject that we can talk about. Amen. Make sure that you are basing your opinions, your responses before a watching world on the word of God. So he says, I'm especially concerned as I see this among those representing themselves as Christ followers. Some in group A are judging the people in group B, assuming they are all fill in the blank. The judgment that should not be in the church of God. Uh, he goes on to say, you know, some in group A are judging those in group B, assuming they are all, maybe they're all Democrats. They're acting that way because they're all Democrats. And of course, you got the Democrats who are saying, well, they're acting that way because they're Republicans and they're just a bunch of smug pigs. Don't you know what Trump is doing right now? Don't you know how idiotic he is? They're all Trump supporters. Or they're all Trump haters and bashers. Some in group A are judging the people in group B, assuming that they're all fill in the blank. Judging. Then you got some in group B who are judging the people in group A, assuming that they're all this. Well, they all do this. They all do that. And we categorize everybody in this little hole that we think is immeasurably wrong. Because that's what my opinion tells me. That's what my preference tells me. Some in group C are judging everyone in a position of authority, assuming that they're all selfish and self-serving. They're all looking out for number one. They only listen to fill in the blank. So you have people in group C judging everyone in a position of authority because they're just, well, they all assume that they're all just fill in the blank. Folks, we need to walk in wisdom. If someone does or does not support a particular governmental figure, then they're just a jerk. They're a scumbag. They're a loser. And often these statements are just honestly rooted in our own opinions, our own selfishness. If we are going to walk in wisdom, we must consider, consider these verses. So 
for a few moments this morning, I'm going to invite you to write these verses down. And as I told you as we start, at the start of this sermon, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. And I need to take these things to heart because this is the Word of God. And this is how I need to respond. In James chapter 1, verse 19, he says this. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Get that in our minds, folks. Let's, let's consider that just for a moment. That human anger, not righteous anger, unrighteous anger. Wow. Does not accomplish God's righteousness. And so when I hear something that's taking place in the world around me, as soon as I see that clip on TV, and I'm hurry up and I get on, and, and I want to hurry up and tweet about it, and I want to hurry up and write a post about it, and I want to hurry up and send out an email about it, that's not being slow to speak. He says we're to be quick to hear. Listen, take in all the facts. Do your homework. Do the research. Make sure that what you're saying is not hearsay. It's not someone's opinion. Let's compare it with Scripture. Let's get the facts. And that's why he says this. Be quick to listen. But when we're quick to speak and not slow to speak, we are showing our own immaturity. Folks, let's start practicing this verse. Because when we get all angry and upset about the things that are not pleasing God... We are only building on unrighteousness. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I love this. We've heard these passages a thousand times in our life, but I want to read verses 4 through 7 for just a moment. It says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness. Whoa, stop right there. These things are incredible to think about. It's patient. When's the last time we expressed patience towards somebody that we disagreed with? And the very fact that we get angry over it shares the fact that we don't love them as we ought as believers. Pastor Ken, are you serious? Absolutely, because that's what God's word says. Love is kind. Doesn't treat people hatefully. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant. It doesn't scream, I'm right and you're wrong. And I don't care how that makes you feel. Is not self-seeking? Is not irritable? Does not keep a record of wrongs? Finds no joy in unrighteousness? But rejoices in truth that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Does your response indicate that you love as God would have you to love? In Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, it talks about judging. It says, Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's but don't notice the beam of one in your own eye? Wow. This, this, these are the red words. 
These the, red means Jesus spoke this. And Jesus was reminding them, are you not thinking about yourself? I mean, you're, you're really quick to point out what's wrong in others. Do, do, do you notice that you got a splinter in your own eye? You're, you're trying to wipe it out of your eyes just so you can you know, see clear enough to yell at the person that you're directing your comments to. Crazy. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look at the this beam in your own eye? Hypocrite! First take the beam of wood out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet. Turn and tear you to pieces. Whew. God's word doesn't mince words. I don't think there's any question of what he wanted to say. He said what he wanted to say, and he meant what he said. He says, you're a hypocrite, if that's what you're doing. You're a hypocrite. Let's look at another one, John chapter 17. Just for a moment, John chapter 17. Over a few pages to the right, the end of the Gospels. John chapter 17. Look at verse, two verses here, verses 20 and 21. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be as one as you, Father, in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. Then he goes on. Let me just stop there for a moment. God loves unity. And we can be unified when we respond based on the principles found in God's word and not our own personal opinions. We can be in unity when we what we put up before man to see is principled in God's word. But when we continue in selfishness and unrighteousness, that does not please God. That does not bring glory to the Father. We need to be careful of these things. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 just for a moment. Romans chapter 12. Verses 9 and 10 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest what is evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another showing honor. Wow. Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, let your love be genuine. Don't pretend to love someone you don't. But rather than pretend, make sure your love is real. Make sure it's real. Make sure it's according to God's word. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. How do I love each other deeply as brothers and sisters in Christ? Go back to 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. I think that's a great starting point. That's a great place to start. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, just a few pages over to the right. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 says, For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready, because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, you are not worldly and behaving like mere humans. Hmm. For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? Well, I belong to, 
I'm of Obama, or I'm of Trump, I'm of Clinton, I'm of Bush, I'm of Cuomo, I'm of whoever. You're just showing immaturity. That's what he says here. I'm not of anyone in this world. But let me say, I'll pray for them. Second Timothy reminds me that we are to pray for those in leadership in front of us. We're to uphold them in prayer every day. They need all the wisdom they can get. And let's pray that God will give them wisdom and discernment. I'm telling you, no matter what they say, somebody's going to crucify him. It doesn't matter whether you like Trump or hate Trump. It doesn't matter what he says. He's in a no-win situation. And every day he's going to get crucified if he does or if he doesn't. If he says or if he doesn't says. Or if he, whatever. It's going to come. So keep your opinions to yourself. Let's focus on Jesus Christ. Let's focus on the one who controls the world. Trump doesn't control the world. Thank God. God's word reminds us that even the king's heart is in the hand of God. He controls it. And I trust in a sovereign God. He's going to take care of me. Trump's not going to do it. A stimulus check's not going to do it. Rioting and looting is not going to do it. Bottom line is, we need unity. That's what he's talking about. But the problem is, he says, when immaturity is there, according to 1 Corinthians 3, God is not glorified. Over the next page, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, he says this, So don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes, who will both bring to light what is hidden and in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. And then praise will come to each one from God. There will be a day when God will praise man, according to this verse, but not until it's his time. So he says, don't judge prematurely. Don't judge. It's not my place to judge. I don't have God's wisdom. I don't have God's knowledge. He says, his thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. His ways and thoughts are above my ways and thoughts. And how dare I think I have it all together and I have all the answers. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. This is a lot, a lot of it here, but let me, just, let me just read this. We're almost through. It says, My brothers and sisters, do not show favor to him as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Don't, don't have favorites among God's people. Don't have favorites apart from God's people. The bottom line is we're one in Christ. Don't show favoritism. Well, he's athletic like I am, so I'm going to spend my time with him. Well, he likes the same news outlets I like, so I'm going to kind of side with him, and I'm going to agree with him on everything. Well, you know, he's white, and I'm white, so we're going to be together on. Well, he's black, and well, I'm black, so I'm just going to side with him. We're not to have favorites. There is no room for partiality in the body of Christ. We're all one. There's one blood in Christ. Amen. And for those of you that think that Jesus walked around as a white Caucasian male, you got another thing to understand. From the Middle East, he was not a white Caucasian male. But there's one race. And I don't care what color you are, if you get cut with a knife, you're all going to bleed red. The reality is we are one in Christ. One race. Quit being partial. 
Verse 2 says, For if someone comes into your meeting wearing gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor person dressed in filthy clothes also comes in, if you look with favor on the one wearing the fine clothes and say, Sit here in a good place, and yet you say to the poor person, Stand over there, or sit here on the floor by my footstool, haven't you made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And didn't he already remind us that we're not to judge? Let God be the judge. Verse 5, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Yet you have dishonored the poor. Don't the rich oppress you and drag you into court? Don't they blaspheme the good name that was invoked over you? Indeed, if you fulfill the royal law prescribed in the scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. And folks, let me just say it, we love ourselves. My goodness, do we love ourselves. Look at America. 70% of America is overweight. Why? Because we love ourselves. We take care of ourselves. We feed ourselves. Every time we want something, we indulge ourselves because that's what we do as selfish Americans. We are overindulgent. Goodness sakes. We love ourselves. And if we could put a smidgen of the love that we put in direct towards ourselves into others, what might be different in our lives? Think about that. Put that overindulgent love for self into loving someone else and see what might change. Folks, there's no room for partiality. There's no room for judging in the body of Christ. And there's no room for that in harvest. Amen. So he says, If, however, you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. So you think you're pretty good? If you've offended in one area, you might as well be guilty of all of it. You think you're pretty good? No, there's only one righteous. His name was Jesus. You think you're pretty good? No, because all your righteousness are as filthy rags. You're not as good as you think you are. Let's remember that. Verse 11, for he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery but murder, you're a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has not shown mercy. Question, does your life represent one who shows mercy? Or judgment? Is it one that shows love <coughs> or selfishness? Because every time we push our point, our opinion, our belief, our preference that is apart from Scripture, all we are doing is screaming our selfishness to an unsaved world or to a saved world, but to a watching world. And that's not godly. That's not being Christ-centered. That's not being filled with the Spirit. And here's what he says in the end of verse 13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Think about that just for a moment. Who do you need to show mercy to? That triumph might prevail? Who do you need to show mercy to because maybe misinformation or miscommunication got in the way? And let me just be honest, maybe they meant what they said. Maybe that's what they truly believed. I'm not justifying it. What I'm saying is mercy 
triumphs over judgment, according to James 2.13. There are people, you know it and I know it, that are never going to change. In my flesh, I've met people say, man, they're going to be like that till the day they die. In my flesh, I think that they are just the way they are. But what might change if we would pray for them? What might change if we would extend mercy and grace? The same mercy and grace that Jesus extends to you and I every day that we wake up. What might be different? James chapter 3 verse 13 says this. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. Let me say that again. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct he should show that his works are done in gentleness that comes from wisdom. Folks, can I just say it? And I, Can I say it with all sincerity, but with all the strength that I can? Get in the Bible. Start reading God's word. Start meditating upon it. Day and night, think about the principles of God's word and what God's word actually says. And maybe then we'd be more filled with the spirit and less filled with our own selfishness. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic, he says. What? Bitter envy and selfish ambition, he says, is demonic? Yep. So is your bitterness demonic? Wow. There's a harsh word. Verse 16 says, For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. Let me ask you a question. What took place in our country over the last several weeks has been heinous. There's not a person in the world today, I don't believe, that would say that officer was justified in what he did. Not one. I don't think there's anybody in their right mind to say, well, he was justified in doing that. But what has followed... According to this verse, he goes on to say, it says, For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there's disorder and every evil practice. What we're seeing going on in our world is evil. What we're seeing is the selfishness of man on steroids. What we're seeing is years of anger just puked out and all this sinfulness breaks the heart of God verse 17 says but the wisdom from above is first pure then peace loving gentle compliant full of mercy and good fruits unwavering without pretense and the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace what is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? Once again, it's our internal strife and selfishness and anger. And Folks, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things in life that I would love to be able to control, but I can't. And no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to be able to control those things. There are things in life that I have zero control over. 
But the one thing I have control over is how I respond to things. There's a lot of things I can't control. But I must control how I respond to the things that I can't. And he says, what is the source of wars and fights? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask war or ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it upon your own pleasures. What about us asking God to work in all of our hearts that Jesus might come into our lives in a very real way? So his presence is with us nonstop to the point that we are praying for anybody and everybody that may that we may have disagreement with, that we may have disunity with. Once again, as I said in the beginning, we can't expect an unsaved world that does not know Jesus act like they know Jesus because they need Jesus. Another verse, James chapter 5, verse 9. He says, brothers and sisters, now I'm talking to the body of Christ here. Do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. He says, we're not to judge. Do not complain. And as I said earlier, when I read Daniel Henderson's post, he said, these are the things that I'm examining my own life with. And as I stand here before you, I'm preaching to myself. Don't complain about one another. I'm guilty of this. By God's grace and with his help, with the Holy Spirit's filling and leading in my life, I don't want to complain about others. I want to be a picture of Christ. I have opinions. And the problem with opinions is that we all have them, and most of the time we all think we're all right. But your opinion is different than her opinion, and her opinion is different than his opinion, and we all have a different one, and they all most of the time stink and cause problems and disorder and disunity and frustration and angst. So he says, do not complain about one another. Why don't we just in our hearts and our minds say, even though we may not say it vocally, I'm praying for you. And while I'm praying for you, I'm praying for myself too. Because I need Jesus as much as you do. I have Jesus as my Savior, but now I need Jesus' life to impact me in a way that would be evident to all. One last verse. Actually, a couple more. First Peter. Let's turn the page here. Chapter 2, verse 17. He says this. Honor everyone. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have to honor her? Yeah, you do. Wait, do I, do I have to honor the president? Yes, you do. Do I have to honor that person? Yes, you do. I don't have to agree with him. I don't have to think he's right. But you know what honor means? It means the place value on. I honor the position. There's been numerous presidents I don't agree with. And the ones that I really appreciate, you probably may not. But that's here nor there. It's irrelevant. I honor that position. I honor the position of president. I, 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 there's a lot of things about Cuomo I don't care for. But I honor the fact I rep, the, uh, the position that he represents as governor. He's in a place of authority over us. 
And we're to honor that. You may not like it. You may not agree with it. But you can't argue with the sword of God. So he says, verse 17, Honor everyone. And then he says, Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God, honor the emperor. Can't get around it. You might want to, but you can't. Verse 21. It says, For you are called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when he was insulted, he did not insult in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Oh my goodness. He says, don't return tit for tat. Don't return your judgment back for the person who you disagree with. He says, I was suffered. I've suffered. Just expect it. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one. He goes, I'm trusting God. What might be different if we would just fully and wholeheartedly commit ourselves to trusting God? All of us. If we are going to walk in wisdom, we need to start living and acting as genuine Christ followers. I don't know where you're at today, but I know that a lot of you are hurting. So-and-so said this, so-and-so said that. They posted this, they posted that. They believe this, they believe that. But can I put everything I've said in a nutshell? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Act as Jesus would have you to act. Don't return tit for tat. Don't judge. God loves unity. God loves harmony. And you know, the beautiful thing about harmony is this. When people sing in harmony, it's beautiful. When someone sings bass, someone sings tenor, someone sings alto, someone sings soprano, they're not all the same. But together it's a beautiful sound. God loves harmony in the church. They're not all the same. Some are white. Some are black, some are Asian, some are Spanish. They're not all the same. They don't all have the same opinions. They don't all have the same preferences. But when we work together, we can accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish for his glory. God loves harmony. And think of it in terms of music. When all the parts are evident, it's beautiful. Folks, when we meet in a few weeks, I want us to come together in glorious celebration with love towards one another, genuine, Christ-filled love. Because that's what God loves. Would you pray with me? And as we pray, in just a moment, we are going to come together for communion. Mike's going to lead us in communion in just a moment. But can I invite you, don't, don't hang up. Don't log off. Don't stop yet. I want us to join in corporate prayer together just for a moment. We're about to partake in communion. I want us to prepare our hearts for that just for a moment.
I don't know. Let's just let's just pray. Lord, would you work in our hearts this day? Would you draw us close to yourself? God, would you help us to be honest with ourselves with where we're at in our walk with you? God, would you help us to be honest with our actions and our reactions? God, would you help us to be honest with whether or not we're reading our Bible and praying for others around us? Because, Lord, I'm, I'm convinced that far too often we're not. We're quick to judge rather than quick to hear and listen. We're quick to be selfish rather than respond in love and rather than thinking miscommunication or misinformation might be at the center of what we're disagreeing with, we should be responding in love. They didn't mean to do that. They didn't mean to say that. I must be missing something. God, help us to judge ourselves rather than judging others. Help us to work on the thing that we can control, which is our own responses. God, would you work in our hearts to draw us close to you? Lord God, as we come before you, and I ask as, a, as we're praying together that we would be honest this morning. Do you have ought to, towards a brother? Bitterness, envy, anger even towards a brother? Listen, half the time the people that you disagree with and are angry with, they don't even care that you're angry with them. Half the time the people that we're upset with, they don't even know and care that we're upset with them. They're not losing any sleep over it. And we let the bitterness and the angst of our disagreements degrade us and embitter us and cause us to lose fellowship and, and, and relationship with God. Some people, as I've said earlier, they are who they are and you're not going to change them by what you say. Why don't you pray, pray for them? Not in pride, but in humility, take them before God. The one who has the ability to control all circumstances, right? Let's, let's take their name before God. And let God, call on God to work on the circumstances and change the, the situation. Who do you need to pray for? And while you're praying for them, pray for yourself. Lord God, start with me in these areas. God, would you work in my heart? Because God, I need these reminders today. Lord, these last several weeks of pandemic, this time of pandemic around the world, this time of unrest, this time of uncertainty. Lord, none of us would pick these things. None of us would choose these things if we had the, the opportunity to. But Lord, for whatever reason, they're here, they're amongst us. And Lord, we have to walk with wisdom. So God, would you draw us close to you, Lord? Be with each and every one of us, Lord. Uh, Lord, all across the world, Lord, from in Indiana and Michigan and Mississippi and Lord, all over where people are watching this message today. Lord, I pray that whoever hears it, God, that we would just simply deal with what we can respond with. And that's our own attitudes, our own spirit, our own reactions lord pray you work in our hearts draw us close to you pray in jesus name amen